Hello, I'm Carly McDowell, and this is the Shared Road podcast, where I come together with inspiring friends and people I've come to know that will offer you insight and wisdom through brave storytelling to shine the light on complex, toxic relationships, narcissistic abuse, coercive control, breaking cycles of family generational trauma and dysfunction to unravel the binds and free ourselves from suffering. As you will have heard on my first episode, I share an overview of my story and how this podcast came about. I have reached a point in my life and healing where I'm deeply passionate about helping people recognize, navigate and move through these difficult times to free themselves from cycles of abuse, destruction and suffering. On this episode of the Shared Road podcast today, I'm speaking with my dear friend Tish, who is an inspiring mother of three boys, business owner, author, ex-journalist and retired athlete. She's also one of the most grounded, kind and open-hearted women I know. We speak vulnerably about our experiences navigating post-separation abuse during the same period of our lives and how Tisha's coped navigating attempts to be cut off from her family and friends through triangulation, intimidation, lies and crazy making in an attempt to shift blame and shame onto her for the breakdown of her marriage. This particular podcast was quite difficult for both of us, as you will hear in our voices. However, Tish was very passionate about sharing her story and insights as the next stage of her healing. She's a weapon, this woman, and I hope this helps you in some way. Tish, welcome to the second episode of the Shared Road podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. And I thought I'd begin with talking about the importance of our shared stories, that it's courageous, helps us feel we are connected, that we're not alone through community, and it's deeply healing when we're able to share in a safe space. It's not about staying stuck in our story, but it's about learning, facing our fears, choosing a brave new road and never giving up. So you and I connected a number of years ago and we'd both been navigating at the same time, um, quite extreme um, post-separation abuse. Although the variations were different, there was a lot of similarities um, and I think we both felt comfort in knowing that each other was going through a really difficult time but we understood um, I guess the flavors of what we were trying to navigate and um, I know that I felt uh, you know seen and heard and understood um, because many that haven't sort of traveled these paths just simply don't know and and we kind of go into that later when we talk about the particular theme of today um, but it's certainly a roller coaster, and so sharing um, with someone that understands, you know, the journey, um, it certainly gives. Um, it gave me strength to carry on navigating, and um, yeah, it these kind of complex tales and experiences are. Uh, yeah, and not something that 
every friend around you understands. Do you remember when we first met and when we spoke about what was going on? Did you feel a sense of relief in any way that you were not alone in your experience? Did you have any other friends that were were um, navigating this kind of complexity? Yeah, I think you're right. Having a community um, makes what seems like an unbearable situation somewhat bearable. Mm. Um, and I think initially... I was so traumatized that I don't even remember how it came to be that um, I had a couple of women around me, probably based on it breaking down and sharing what was actually going on rather than trying to hold it together. Mm. There were times where I just was so deeply drowning in Mm. my situation that I let go of the belief or the idea that I needed to seem like I had it together Mm -hmm. if I look at my life and who I was and what made me up it was the people pleaser the she's always happy she's so successful at her job and she's always just got her shit together and Mm. living up to that expectation that I had created for myself um, was hard work. And then I think when I was breaking down and just, you know, in such a traumatic place, I mm. forgot to be that person and just broke down. And be real about and honest about what was actually What was actually going, going on. on. And, mm. yeah, and so I think, yeah, having you hear what I had to say and not question that it was something that I was just, you know, it would pass or is she exaggerating? Mm. Or is that really what happened? Um, mm. And I had one other friend who is I had met through work and was about a year ahead of me in the journey. And I didn't realise at the time she was on it until I ended up in it too. Mm. And we kind of realised as a byproduct of consecutively breaking down that the messages we were receiving and the behaviours, you could have interchanged the two people's names Mm. and it was the same message. Mm. Um, And that started to be, I suppose, like an initial awakening for me that, hang on, like there's something more to this than just my relationship. It's actually bigger than that. Yeah, that you're not alone, that there are lots of people navigating this. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of similar themes in the same sort of behaviours that um, happen through this experience. So often the story goes when we navigate out of a toxic relationship that it intensifies towards the end with extreme behaviour, manipulation tactics, which are used as a means to control. At this point, it's when you truly see the volatility of the person uh, we thought we we knew uh, and perhaps had never seen before, which can actually be really destabilizing and frightening. What was your experience at the end of your relationship? And when you go back to that point, 
what did you recognize and start to have awareness around that things were maybe not just your average breakup behaviors I guess when when did you start to realize that things were a little more extreme gosh yes to all of that mm-hmm. um so I think I had said a couple of times maybe in the early years after I came out of what I would call like the 12 month twilight zone of hell um you could have written a movie about what was happening Mm. and I felt like it did kind of come as a shock to me that it was so extreme I didn't know how to handle it I was the one who had said I didn't want to be in my marriage anymore Mm -hmm. and that I think was an initial trigger for my ex that didn't go well mm-hmm. um, and then from there I did proceed to see behaviours accelerate and become more dramatic and severe and traumatising mm-hmm. and you know when there's kids involved it's already a big decision mm-hmm. it's not something that you take lightly or well, I didn't mm-hmm. um, you know that decision in itself took me probably years to finally come to and mm-hmm. then don't know what I thought would or should happen there's no formula or recipe to say to your partner I don't want to be with you anymore Mm. so I found that um, really traumatic in and of itself and then what I didn't see coming was the harassment and the um, the torture and the the crazy the frenzy I just didn't see the frenzy coming. Mm. I mean, initially it was behind closed doors, or I thought it was behind closed doors between he and I. Um, But I later came to realise that behind my back, he was actually talking to my best friends and my parents and convincing them of a story about me that wasn't true. Mm -hmm. Um, And it all came to a really big crashing bang of an end when um he had convinced my my parents and some of my best friends that um that I was vain and money hungry and that my goal was to upgrade Mm -hmm. um and what ended up happening was my parents were told by him after a series of many many conversations um that not to talk to me about it don't say don't speak to her don't don't ask her it will only make it worse and Mm -hmm. he had painted me as a volatile kind of on the precipice of you know going down the wrong path kind of position and that by them confronting me about it it would make it worse Mm -hmm. And I didn't know any of this was happening. Mm-hmm. So in the end, my parents actually turned against me mm. before they turned back towards me and saw what was actually going on. Mm-hmm. Because I finally realised 
what was actually taking place and spoke up for myself and mm. explained what I had been experiencing. Um, and to this day, my mum carries a lot of guilt mm. with her for believing the right thing to do was to not talk to me about it. Yeah. So this is what we call triangulation. And had you understood or ever heard of that term at all, which is used in psychology uh, to describe that type of behaviour? Had you ever been aware of that concept? Because often until we've been exposed to it, um, most people haven't. And so obviously to kind of grasp what was going on is really difficult because we're not aware of the concept or the, the manipulation tactic. It's basically a term used in psychology uh, to turn two people against each other and often done behind the scenes where the two people don't know what stories are being said elsewhere to the other party. And, um, yeah, it so often is the case uh, that that's done amongst family to obviously, you know, break down your core support network. So when did you first hear about the term triangulation and did that sort of drop in for you when you realised what that concept or tactic was, that that's what was going on for you then? No, I didn't know about it for a lot longer and mm. it wasn't limited to my parents. It was lim- it, it extended far and wide mm. to my friendship circle. Mm to my mm. sister mm. and I don't know whether it was because I was in such a state already and so I I actually had a lot of trouble initially reconciling um, any of the terms around domestic violence or mm. um, emotional abuse I I felt like how could that have been me and I didn't see it? Mm. And so it was quite a confronting concept um, and it wasn't until, I don't know, maybe eight to ten months after this that I started to come up for a little bit of oxygen and realise that I probably needed to educate myself. My mum had been buying me books and sending me articles and I was so deeply overwhelmed with everything that was happening to me that I just didn't have space to take it on Mm. but what I recognized after I did realize that being able to um, categorize some of the things that were happening you know triangulation gaslighting whatever it was I was able to start my actual journey towards healing and moving through the experiences rather than getting stuck in them. Mm. I was so fixated for such a long time on the facts. Mm. Like how how could the facts not just write this wrong? And mm. I think that that is what I found really um, paralyzing was that when I ended up in these situations of triangulation or any of the other different, you know, variations mm-hmm. of emotional abuse, 
you get so spun around with the word salad and you know being distracted by one thing to another so that the facts no longer are relevant because you're suddenly talking about something else now I just didn't know I had no tools for dealing with that Mm -hmm. at all and I drowned in it for Mm -hmm. ages Mm. way longer than I wish I had Mm. and were you seeing at what point did you start seeing a psychologist oh gosh I love her (laughs) I started actually seeing her before all of this really started to escalate before Um, you separated so I had mentioned there was probably a period of about six months and the start of that six months was me finally vocalizing my feelings of wanting to move out of the relationship Mm -hmm. and as I mentioned that didn't go well Mm. and then um, a few months went by and I realized that I wasn't coping with trying to move past I suppose the little hornet's nest I'd kicked Mm. um, in setting off that conversation my ex wanted it to be resolved he wanted to know that it was going to be fine Mm-hmm. And I could not give him that certainty. And I also couldn't really explain it. And I was caught in this loop of what do I do now? Mm. So I sought out through a friend for a recommendation for a psychologist. Mm-hmm. And I told my ex that I was going to go and see one. Mm-hmm. He did not like that at all. Mm. He, Is that when you refer to kicking the hornet's nest? No, the kicking the hornet's nest, I feel like, was when I said it's 50-50 if we make it. Yeah. So and then there was a series of behaviours that were triggered from that. He wanted answers. Mm-hmm. Gave him the answers that I had at the time. Mm-hmm. My, like, you know, this is why mm. I feel like we're not right for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I almost describe it now like he heard maybe the first two sentences of that conversation and then focused on those two things and went in this weird frenzy to try to fix that those couple of things that I mm-hmm. mentioned but it was like two of ten yeah and they weren't even necessarily explained to him in order so mm. I was like what are you doing mm. um so there's all these behaviors that he was doing there was obviously me feeling like I was becoming more and more certain that I didn't want to be with him and then I definitely look back at who I was then and know and acknowledge that I didn't have the confidence to back myself. Mm. I, I was so worried about what people would think of me. I didn't want mm. to be the woman who wanted a divorce. Mm. Um, do I want to do this to my children? Mm. Maybe it's not that bad. Maybe he's not that bad. Maybe mm. I could do more. All of that, mm. that vicious cycle I ended up in and I just felt like I wasn't coping and so I wanted to go talk to somebody that had nothing to do with my life. Mm. I, like, I need a new person who can come in and mm. help me out here. Mm. Um, my ex did not want that. He felt I should be talking to him. Mm. I ignored him and I went anyway. Mm. And she saved my life I honestly believe that she did and um was she starting to recognize any behaviors any yeah for instance the triangulation did she introduce you to any of those terms or was she not initially I think wasn't seeing that just yet because you hadn't separated so I hadn't separated at that point um Progressively, I'd say like in the months following and certainly by the time I'd hit, you know, the four-month mark of this situation, hmm. she was very much across the craziness. Right. What was happening. Okay. I was 
um, seeing her weekly as things escalated and I wasn't coping. I was coping less and less, Mm. not more and more. Mm. And that was because my ex, as I think he recognized, I don't know if there's anything I can do to pull this back. Um, Mm. You know, he escalated his behaviors around loss of control and, um, and I think, you know, it was kind of the perfect storm because I had really just gotten to the place where no matter what he did or said, I still decided that I wanted to move forward anyway. And um, even though I was really battered and bruised and traumatised by the experience, I was certain I needed to keep going. Mm. And I think where I lagged in maybe hearing or you know, having explicit conversations with my psychologist about some of these terminologies. Um, I really was just in survival mode. Mm. And I think that it was mm. later on when I had more space moved out of the house mm. and had more space to calm down a little bit and be free of the day-to-day in-house trauma. Mm. Um I started to recognise certain patterns and behaviours and Mm. triggers Mm. um, on his side Mm. where I then was kind of calling bullshit on what was going on. I was like, hang on a second, this is not all me. This Mm. is not because I said I wanted to leave. This is more than that. This Mm. is something bigger than that. Mm. You've got something going on that doesn't feel very good. And once you have that space and, and you can zoom out a bit, you can start to see things for what they are and how they're kind of playing out and, and, and also have the emotional space to um, take on these potentially bigger concepts of what all of this actually is that's going on. So not just in survival mode and not just coping day to day, but hang on a minute. Now I have to learn strategies to cope with these really complex behaviors that are very manipulative and they're they're out to sort of take you down divide and conquer is what triangulation is all about so there's a lot going on with not just at this point co-parenting with someone but you're potentially facing loss of your your support network your best friends your family and so on yeah and i think um I kind of had to consecutively work on myself and on these tools. I had not done the work that I probably should have done a lot earlier in my life to overcome. Um, I was really badly bullied when I was in primary school. I just felt like, I just remember thinking, and it's probably like dates back to as early as the age of eight or something. I remember thinking, if I just keep being a good person, if I just keep being nice, like they'll see that I'm a good person. They'll they will they will see it. And I don't think I ever properly dealt with the idea of being okay, even through my teenage years, where I also had different social challenges, um, as you do as a mm, teenager. Me all do. I think I I sat in a really insecure place as I entered that phase of my life and I carried it through with me into my late teens and early 20s when I met my now ex-husband and I don't think I really loved myself 
Mm. I don't. I didn't put the work into recognizing that um, that was so important. Mm. And then when it came to this and the shame cycle and you know public condemnation that mm. ensued off the back of some of these behaviors from my ex, and um, you know I had people in the community that I thought I was a part of texting me abusive messages without ever having heard anything from me mm-hmm. um, and you know on the other hand so I didn't cope well with that because I felt like I um, there were all these people talking about me and turning against me mm-hmm. and I wasn't saying anything about it and I wasn't doing anything and so I and I stayed in that space because I wasn't comfortable I, I just had so much going on but also I don't like confrontation mm. and I think that that for me for sure like I had to overcome some of those challenges because on the flip side of that in order to have the tools to deal with somebody who is using triangulation and being you know emotionally abusive unless you have that centered power of knowing that you're a good person or a good mum and that you're okay with where you're at it's really hard to stay stable well it's almost impossible to have complete stability through this kind of abuse you know Um, it's subtle it's insidious um, it's hidden often and um, it all creeps up on you because the person's kind of not only chipping away at your community but they're kind of chipping away at you day to day and telling you you're not a good person and targeting in on all your insecurities and those things that you they know you feel about yourself that um, are going to trigger you into self-doubt um, so what were you doing for yourself? You were seeing psychologists. How often were you seeing your psych through this process? And what, what else were you doing for yourself to sort of start to do that healing work to, in order to survive? Because there's a lot going on at this point. It's one thing to be, you know, keeping your head above water whilst you're being dealing with emotional abuse. But um, another thing to also be you know at the same time working on taking care of yourself so what did that look like for you through that time for me I have always been a really hard worker Mm. I remember my parents begging me to not work so hard but I love it Mm. and so one of the ways that I took care of myself was financial independence Mm -hmm. I made sure that no matter how little sleep I'd had how traumatized I felt I showed up to work every day and I did my job to the best of my ability. There were for sure days I ended up in our boardroom in tears and really scattered and not my best self, but I think my team had no idea that any of this was going on and I took comfort in feeling like the normality of my work day was maintained and I could go there and channel myself in something that I was really good at so that was something Mm. that I did and also I knew if I was going to go out on my own and have two kids that I needed to be able to like pay for my life Mm. so it was really important to me to keep my job and stability and feel into something that made you feel 
confident and you're able to um, day-to-day show up for and feel good about. Yeah, totally. And then the other thing I think, um, I was a runner for a really long time, raced really competitively. Um, I started training for trail races and a half marathon while all this was going on. I would get up at five in the morning, I would run. And for me, I know you have an incredible passion for yoga and meditation. I have always found running for me must be the feeling that Mm -hmm. deeply committed people, yoga people (laughs) get. I feel like I enter a state of meditation and healing when I'm running Mm -hmm. and I work through things Mm -hmm. and I get to the end of a run and I've workshopped something. Mm -hmm. And for that 12 months, I cried a lot on my runs like I had to stop sometimes and just breathe because I couldn't breathe if I kept going Mm. Um, and I think the process of seeing the sun come up you know put your face towards the sun so you never Mm. see the shadows like I kind of just my natural instinct was move forward Mm. keep going and I ran Mm. a lot like Forrest Gump (laughs) it was like Forrest Gump I kept running I went to work Mm. I spent a lot of time alone like as Mm. soon as the kids were in bed and safe um, I either kept working or I would take a bath and be alone to be quiet Mm. I felt like there was so much noise Mm. and for me that's probably where I struggled to put the energy into trying to explain everything that was going on Mm. which didn't necessarily work in my favor um, because I just didn't have the energy left because by the time I put my life into my job and going for a run at five in the morning I literally like that was it I was Mm. just surviving amazing and so I was also seeing my psychologist weekly Mm um yeah I I think I went to fortnightly after maybe a couple of months. She was worried. She kind of dictated to me how long she thought I could go Mm. between sessions. Yeah. And then, you know, now I still see her, but I see her more from a maintenance slash... um, I usually... There's always crazy things going on. Mm. And I kind of pick my times to work on something that I either want to develop in myself or to learn about to help my kids Mm. because they're also now in this situation. Mm. Yeah. They're having to navigate it and you're needing to stay stable whilst they still navigate it. Let's just go into... uh, chatting about parallel parenting versus co-parenting so often when we are navigating uh, the complexity of this kind of personality it makes it almost impossible to co-parent and we end up in a situation where we're parallel parenting so we're basically under our time with our children under our roofs we parent how we feel is best for the child or children and their welfare and their safety and their emotional health and stability and consistency and everything. Um, and we can't 
work on the same page as the other party because we're not at this point we realize we're wired very differently and and often often is the case if we give any um, suggestions around how to do things or work together that's just used against us so that we potentially fail anyway or it's you know painted with a different light yeah how how's your journey been with with that have you at any stage do you think you've been able to co-parent has there been snippets of of that or gosh I'd love to say yes I would when I first separated it was important to me that we try Mm. to rise above our own broken relationship and put the kids first Mm. I had seen somewhere that Ariana Huffington who was an inspo at the time Mm. went on a holiday every year at Christmas with her new husband her ex-husband and his new wife and all the kids and everyone kind of came together Mm. in this like week long awkward blended family moment but Mm -hmm. just kind of we're in the same place to make it cool for the kids Mm. um that altruistically is what I really thought how great Mm. um I definitely ended up I really had to learn um and it took me a long time I had to learn exactly what you mentioned that um even if my goal for sharing information or trying to collaborate had the kids best interests in mind it never was received interpreted or applied at all like that Mm. it became really traumatic destabilizing for me and the kids and I recognized that I needed to move away from that but I didn't know what to do about this deep feeling that I was failing the kids and I wasn't sure if I was doing the right thing by tr- by giving up on mm. the idea that things needed to be somewhat similar for them to create, you know, smooth transitions. Mm. It was so complicated even just to get all the right stuff from one house to the other. So I actually um, had the kids put down on a program that one of my girlfriends had told me about her daughter suffered with anxiety and she had told me about this program that you could get the kids into. It was a 12-week program and taught them about, you know, identifying their emotions, creating resilience, um, dealing with difficult situations. It was for all sorts of things. and It was specifically for children. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they, wait, they were on a wait list for about seven months to get in and then they got in and it had to be 12 consecutive weeks and my ex wouldn't allow it. Mm -hmm. so I was left again in another situation where I felt pretty lonely and helpless and like um, I was really trying but I didn't know what to do then Mm. they ended up speaking to him and decided off the back of that that they wanted to help me and so they offered to speak to me directly instead of the kids about how I could support them Um, and I can't even tell you how life-changing that was for me to get that support from them. Mm. And it wasn't just the nod of, hey, we're here to help, but also 
I think one of the really, really big things that I had struggled with, like I said, was that idea of what now, like if I can't um, share and collaborate, there's this whole week or days of their time where things might not be going so well for them and how do I let go of that? Mm. Um, And the craziness that surrounded it, everyone had said to me at different points, just ignore him. It'll be fine. I didn't feel like it was going to be fine. And I also have really had trouble with that passive idea of just sitting back and waiting for like the next crazy shitty thing to happen. Yeah. And when I went to this um, group who spoke to me instead of the kids, I got this really empowering piece of information which totally changed my life. And it was to give the crazy behaviours no oxygen. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like instead of feeling like you're drowning, it felt like I was taking action. And Mm. by not feeding the beast, I was actually doing the right thing. Mm. And the second thing that they told me to do was to be a good catcher. So they told me you can't change or control or collaborate with this kind of a person that's really hard for you I can understand why you're worried but actually the most important thing that you can do for your kids is be a good catcher Mm. and when they come back Mm. whatever's going on continue to be a support for them continue to speak only positively or at least neutrally about the other Mm. parent provide a safe space for them to still love that parent and um want to be around that parent Mm -hmm. but also be there for them to hear and understand and empathize with their feelings and their challenges and that's the most important thing that you can do Mm. and kind of having that information was a really big turning point for me because I felt like the goal for me was no longer to be Ariana Huffington 2.0 yeah I realised that wasn't my life and it wasn't ever going to be my life and I became okay with it. Mm. And so, yeah, for me now, I don't ever see a time where co-parenting would be possible. Mm. And and they really prove that to you. We don't just come to that conclusion by saying, okay, this person's difficult and we can't co-parent. You have watched time and time again how that has not worked has potentially resulted in something extremely traumatic um and uh they they will talk to you in a way that potentially at times there's inconsistencies that you see all the time but you also are spoken to in a way that's let's work on the same page and then behind your back you know that a different program is running and so when you see that enough times you realize that there is no co-parenting involved so it's yeah I I agree I definitely have learned to have firm boundaries that are grounded in having a kind heart and doing my best and trying to I guess face into the world with the knowledge that at some point my kids are going to be grown-ups and they're going to ask for extra answers and I want to be able to look them in the eye and tell them that um, I put them first and that I did what I could to navigate a really difficult situation Mm -hmm. but I also had to love myself and there were times where boundaries were really necessary Mm -hmm. Um, 
and you know it's tricky scheduling with somebody who is manipulative is really hard that was probably the thing that I um we tried to do two on two off and then alternating weekends and it became really clear to me within about six months that that wasn't going to work for very long um it was just way too much communication way too much manipulation and way too much changing landscapes for the kids Mm. um so I set a really hard, firm boundary. Probably my first ever real hard, firm boundary was I want to go week on, week off, and I don't want to talk to you mm. on my week off. Mm. You're, and I won't try to talk to you when you're week on. Mm-hmm. Um, that took a lot of managing. Um, and, you know, it's really hard when you have somebody on the other side wanting to change that or to disrespect your boundary and saying you know um why are you telling me you don't love the kids is that why you won't do this Mm. and you have to have done the work to know that actually that really has nothing to do with it Mm. the boundary is for their consistency and for being able to come and settle in and then you know move to another space with a whole other set of rules and, you know, different behaviours. They mm. need time to adjust when they first arrive and then they need time to settle in and enjoy it and then they, you know, kind of get a bit antsy before they're going back. And mm. um, So actually sometimes caring about them is doing the hard thing. Mm-hmm. But when the other person is using that as a method to make you feel insecure about your choices, then it gets, like, tricky to hold your ground Mm. and I think like that comes and goes in various cycles whether it's you know anything you name it it happens and it's just staying in that space of thinking what am I motivated by what am I worried about what do I want out of this situation Mm. and I usually find my way out of the trauma now by asking myself those three things to make sure that I am anchoring back to something that I can be proud of. Mm. Because, yeah, like I said, my kids will grow up. They're going to be grown-ups one day. Mm. And Not far away. They're going to see. They're going to see and look back and not just look back at how it was, but look back at how, you know, you stayed stable through that period and navigated uh, extreme complexity and you know with courage and strength and you were their safe one you know their safe parent so yeah as they get older they're gonna they're gonna see which they already are yeah that's Uh, already definitely starting to happen mm. and you don't want that either like there's just a part of you at the same time that that Mm. dies a little bit on the inside knowing that Mm. they've a had to endure their own version of trauma Mm. I mean no I'm sure if you spoke to any kids who have divorced parents there's trauma attached to that anyway Mm. and then Mm. when there's this additional layer and they don't Mm. understand it initially they don't see what's happening um they don't see how they're a piece of the chessboard no it's deeply distressing to think that they've got to somehow um, come to terms with you know the degree to which that other parent is 
you know, operating from a very um, unstable place. It's there's a lot there to mm-hmm. to comprehend, and I do worry sometimes that ha- what that impact is going to have when they do fully come to terms with it. But I think I guess that's why we do what we do in terms of our healing journey is to be able to hold them through that as best we can and we can't change that for them now but to be able to support them as best we can and you know we've all got to work through some healing on some level and yeah it's kind of part of the human experience it's um, just more yeah, more extreme potentially um, but there that's... are benefits to it I think there are benefits to the kids learning how to identify their core feelings early mm-hmm. in their life and recognise what that means for them as an individual because mm-hmm. everybody you know you could have 10 people in the room all part of the same workshop and they all take something different out of it mm-hmm. so you know, I remember the very first thing I worked on with the kids. They were only, oh gosh, seven and five. And I remember teaching them for an entire year. I was like, if you get to the end of this year and you know who is responsible for your happiness and who is responsible for someone else's happiness, if I can teach you the answer Mm -hmm. to that, then... I'm good like this is good mm-hmm. so I'd regularly say to them you know situationally okay well who who's responsible for your happiness right now mm-hmm. and in the end they came to a place where they recognized mm-hmm. me I'm responsible for my happiness and then they also recognized I'm not responsible for anybody else's happiness mm-hmm. um, whether that was me or their dad or their friends or their grandparents or whoever I really wanted them to learn that you can't face into the world trying to be mean or like you know tear somebody down that's not the same as not being responsible for whether they're happy or not Mm. and so I wanted them to hear I want you to have a kind heart but I also want you to know that if someone's having a bad day sometimes all we need to do is say I'm here for you Mm, you don't actually have to take on board their bad day it's not your fault it's not your responsibility Mm. and for me that's where I kind of started my journey with them in trying to help them recognize what actually bothered them Mm. and what were they going to do about it and I think being able to have those conversations isn't going to hurt them it's about emotional intelligence and we may not have gone down this journey quite this early with them no. <laughs> um oh and who knows if it all would have had the the focus on it had we not been through this situation uh because we now understand the importance of it so that they don't carry on that generational trauma that they're you know seeing and um, being exposed to so we hone in on all those sorts of amazing and important conversations that are not being had necessarily in school or anywhere else so um, yeah I I can relate to that I've had some amazing conversations with both my children particularly my son and um, I know you've got two beautiful boys and uh, it's so important that we have these conversations with our boys as well um, 
so that they learn how to process emotion, how to feel emotion, how to release emotion, how to not bottle it up and and store it and suppress emotion. Um, yeah, the conversations are amazing and I talk so much to my son about operating from his heart and when he has navigated some really distressing um, periods in his journey over the last five to seven years and he, I've sensed he felt disconnected from himself and he didn't know up from down or right from wrong in the ways that he was acting out I would always talk to him about um feeling into his body and feeling into his heart and not what he was being told or thought he should have to believe but how it felt when he maybe expressed some of the messages that were being fed to him and um I think yeah coming back to your point about um there's benefit to the I mean you make the best of a really really shit situation and um and that is one of the benefits isn't it is having those amazing conversations as mothers yeah especially when you feel really overwhelmed I remember initially the trauma was so frequent like day like multiple times a day one of the tactics that I implemented initially and I don't know if it was the journalist in me or what happened or whether it was just me buying myself time to work out what do I say next but I would ask them the question and now I still do that so you know initially it was like what do you mean by that Mm. and I would try to better understand the information that was coming towards me or the story or the frenzy or the crazy because you know there were four and six initially and then Mm. as these went on they're still tiny little people and now um I try to take a really deep breath and center myself and take on board the information. And the first thing I ask my kids is, do you feel like that's the truth? Mm -hmm. Because often when they come to me with things, it's something that they're really grappling with because I think it sits in opposition to who they know I am Mm -hmm. or information they already have. But they've obviously believed a part of it or really unsure. It's really traumatizing for them. They're definitely in a place where they're you know at different points angry and I still Mm. try to come at it from a place of if you sit quietly and in your heart do you think that's true Mm, beautiful and the answer so far has always been no Mm. um Mm. and so I feel like in a way that kind of has helped me too because when their natural instinct is no it creates this beautiful connection between me and them where I offer do you want extra information from me Mm. to help you process what you've just talked about yeah usually they say no um and obviously it needs to be age appropriate and you know still trying to maintain this view that you don't want to further damage the relationship that they have with the other parent by being vindictive or unnecessarily nasty, but you still want to protect them. And so it's always like this kind of delicate dance that you're doing where you really would love to just say what you're really thinking. Mm. 
but it's not in their best interests. Yeah. And so I feel like, yeah, just having that connection as well. I don't know how you feel about this, but maybe it's the mother to son thing where not only has the trauma created opportunities to talk about things that are really important from a behavioural or emotional standpoint, but it's also created an opportunity to connect bonds. Absolutely. That maybe, you know, you would never wish upon anybody, but Mm. yeah, the silver lining, I suppose, is that there is that deep connection and trust that I think that they know that I would always tell them the truth, like Mm. no matter what, even if I didn't like it or I wasn't, you know, proud of myself, I would Mm. always tell them the truth Mm. I feel deeply that they know that yeah yeah and you show up with consistency open communication love safety and all of the things that these children need to thrive and they will know that you are that for them and that's the best that we can do the best that we can offer them we're guiding them we're not we're not trying to control who they are. And I think that's really key in navigating this sort of situation as well is that one thing I've had to do is learn to really let go. Um, I'm not controlling by nature, but we all have aspects of that that show up. But when you're so desperate to... uh, try to prove your point particularly when there's triangulation particularly if there's triangulation going on with your children um you know you you can't help but want to you know speak truth and undo a story and um have your say but I feel the best thing that I've been able to do is not buy into any of the story that's going on and to uh not try to control and to to give as much uh freedom when there's been friction and space and and really just allow them to even unravel if they come home to me and they're you know it's been tumultuous and there's turmoil and all the stress is unraveling at my house and and just at one stage um my son was um you know tearing his room apart and pulling out fly screens and trying to climb onto the roof and and I I just let him do it and it was kind of partly terrifying because obviously not ideal to have your son sitting on the roof when he's 10 years of age but just to kind of let him have the freedom to get all of that out and then feel safe that he's not going to be told off for it and and then kind of decompress himself and and then provide that safe space to come back together and so just this real like trust there's a deep trust that we have to have that we just hold on to our truth hold on to doing us as best we can and it and it also brings out the best in us along the way because you 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 have to come back to yourself in order to kind of survive this thing so and you want to be the best version of yourself through that even though you're getting rocked like crazy and um you know it's very natural as well to not be express yourself in you know in ways that you might want to a lot of people you know end up in shame and beat themselves up for maybe reacting and there's nothing wrong with that either but I think you know to 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 stay very 
trusting in the truth will and stability will prevail you know it will it will shine through the kind of darkness that goes on yeah I think I totally agree finding a way to let go is so hard Mm. I feel like it's kind of a new version of letting go every year you're letting go of something new every Mm. time um but without it, you can't survive. Mm. You kind of actually have to learn the like the it's everything that is against your nature as a human, as a mother, mm. as a friend, as a daughter. Mm. To walk out of your house and know that there's a bunch of things being said about you that aren't mm. true, mm. and that people will readily believe them. Mm. And moving past a place, whether those are your children or people that you see at the coffee shop mm. or you know, colleagues, um, that's their business, not yours. Mm. You kind of have to get to a place where you realize that if they really loved you and they're meant to be in your life or be in your circle, Mm. they'll come to you for extra information if it is in conflict with who they think you are. Mm. But all of the other people on the edge and even sometimes in the circle and they jump out, you kind of just have to, let go of the idea that it matters Mm. because at the end of the day what I have found and only through deep trauma and losing you know two very very close friends or who I thought were very close friends um I don't think I've ever felt as quiet in my soul as I do right now Mm -hmm. but it's taken me six years to Mm. get here and it takes everyone a different amount of time but I feel like gosh it's so peaceful knowing that you are enough Mm. and that it won't be easy Mm. but it's only the end when you decide Mm. and letting other people ruffle your feathers and control your day that's kind of a sacrifice you're making to yourself and so I just try to remind myself no oxygen I have the power to decide how I respond to a situation Mm. and then yeah like coming back to that space of knowing that the facts when you're dealing with an emotionally abusive person they actually just don't matter and even when you map them out they've got a reason like they've got an excuse it's it, it's honestly mine. I, I feel like every now and then I'm like the living embodiment of the mind-blown emoji. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. literally like, yeah. what yeah. is happening? Yeah. But yeah, there is actually no way to make sense of it. No. And so that's what I struggle with the most still, like the letting go of the idea that... <laughs> this vicious cycle of craziness that could mm. easily be completely rectified if you just looked at the facts they don't they don't, don't actually matter mm. and even when you map them out and you <laughs> re-explain or you try to be rational and calm and kind i don't know what happens but it's just like not everyone else's normal life no <laughs> I know. And so I just, you kind of get to this place where you're like half beaten down and exhausted and just don't care anymore. And then half have been able to elevate above it and recognize that it's just not worth your time. Yeah. And it's like a dance mm. between the two of like, fuck out. 
why do I have to do this? Mm. So such simple things that mm. should be so straightforward and mm. not attached to any kind of trauma or emotional abuse. Mm. And they just are. Mm. And kind of when you, I guess, take hold of that and recognize what it is. And my psychologist said to me just last week, actually, you're actually in a living nightmare. Mm. And the more time that you can spend knowing that that won't ever change and it's just the way it is, the less time it will bother you. And then you just mm. move forward knowing that that's what it is and try to spend as little time triggering interacting person, interacting. Yeah, no oxygen again. Letting so. it come back into your space yeah. and just keep, you know, pushing it back out. And that's where those boundaries... Boundaries know, are important. As little explaining of anything. So, as yeah, not also, trying to prove anyone wrong, just sticking to matter of fact yeah and i think the big thing with triangulation which i know is one of like the key themes we're talking about today that 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 is so important is um you know everyone is different but i definitely battle with the desire of my ex to have as much personal information from me as possible in order to then turn the tables and Mm. so i'm very conscious now and it's a firm boundary for me that I actually supply as little information as possible like you know I stick to the schedule to education health and finances around you know yeah what needs to be taken care of and I try to keep anything else out Mm. of that because Mm. um I did find that that actually it didn't provide any sense of comfort or um stability for the kids it kind of made things worse so for Mm. me i think that that piece of triangulation gets worse the more knowledge they have of things they can use against you absolutely yeah as little information as possible yeah Yeah. which is tricky because you know on the other side i've got you need to be transparent and authentic with me and until we can you know have a conversation where you offer the x because i've offered y then we're not in an even playing field so this is not going to work and you're in this weird cycle of well why do you need me to tell you something about myself for you to have this conversation because actually what you're asking Mm. from me isn't even related Mm. so that's where that weird kind of triangle comes in and i think you know knowing that now and Mm. being able to see the patterns Mm. and recognized i'm not playing in that space yeah and this really helps this is what i was next going to ask you was really what information would and advice would you give to someone that's navigating um a sort of i guess with children and and even just without that triangulation process from what your experience has been with even your best friend and with the kids what would you say what would you say on reflection of what you've been through there two things really crop up for me when you ask me that question one I think is I would say some people may not be ready for your story Mm -hmm. so I think that I really struggled to I felt really betrayed and lonely and heartbroken when I confided in one of my best friends that um, I had been given advice by a professional that I was in an emotionally abusive relationship. And um, she actually looked me in the eye and said, 
I don't know, I, like that's not the person that I've that I know. Mm-hmm. And I knew it wasn't. I mean, that's one of the things, right? It's like insidious and in the background mm. and doesn't really make sense. And so mm. I think even, you know, if you come across those people in your life who aren't ready for the story or don't mm. want to see it, then that probably says more about them than it does about you. And it mm. took me a long time to come to a place where mm. I reconciled against that. And where they're at and who knows what they're exactly. navigating in their life and it just could be all too much. And yeah. Yeah. So and don't then, try to force your story down yeah. yeah which can be really difficult when it's someone that's your support that's right when person you're for that person to hold mm. you up and devastating and kind of like push you further down mm. it's really hard mm. um and then i think the other thing that i would say is um you have to obviously pick the right times but one of the most empowered uh, one of the times that i felt I don't even know if empowered was the right way to explain it but um I came to realize through a traumatic experience of course that a story that had been created and was doing the laps around the local community and mm. um, well I was told it was doing the laps around the local community by yes. my ex yeah. and um he called me to confront me about it because um whatever had made its way to him he felt like it was a something I had said about him and it ended up being this other really kind of you know detailed convoluted story but by way of the relationship that we had he was quite abusive in that phone call and made it seem like um I didn't even know what he was talking about Mm. um but I kind of gathered from the conversation that there was a group of people involved that we mutually knew and I decided that whenever the time came the next time I bumped into one of those people and they said hi to me that I would if I felt it was appropriate and not Mm. too like you know awkward and confrontational Mm -hmm. um, I was going to ask one of the mums that I knew did she know about this story Mm -hmm. what happened off the back of that was the very first time that instead of um, being I suppose hidden in the shadows and like mulling over something that made no sense to me and feeling like the shame cycle was in full you know Mm -hmm. um effect and hating on myself instead I just asked a really simple question of somebody that I thought had a kind heart and it came to be that it was actually nothing to do with me and that person was horrified that that's how this had all had come about and ended up confronting my ex about it. Mm. Um, and it just taught me that sometimes it's actually okay to like seek out validation from the triangle. Mm. You don't actually have to believe that all the stories you're being told are true. Mm. And realizing that is quite, it's like a weight off your shoulders because you know if you have been in this abuse cycle the triangle is designed to make you feel like you're alone everyone's against you you're um, in an inferior shameful position Mm. and if you're the type of person who already potentially feels that way about themselves this kind of just buries you further down Mm. and coming out and actually saying 
hey, this isn't going to be a triangle, it's going to be a straight line. Mm. And the person you've put in the triangle is in the middle now. Sometimes Calling it out. that can help, mm. I think, if you feel like it's the right time yeah. to exercise that right that you have to ask the question, is this true? Mm. Amazing. Um, takes courage because you may get a response that's super supportive or you may get... I can't deal with this. I'm not interested. And, you know, and, and that's where I guess, again, having the support around you through psychologists and through the people that you know have got your back and will hear you out. You can still come back to truth no matter what, whether, so sometimes the outcome of calling out that is supportive and it's super validating when it is supportive. And sometimes it takes years to get that validation too. Um, at the same time just also knowing that if you lose that person or a bunch of people that's inevitable potentially as well yeah there's certainly been a mix of both in my experience and to be okay with all of that um, I even had my mother like my ex used my mother in the triangulation like yours and, and many times my mother was roped into it, um, turned her back on me at like times of crisis when I was in mediation. Um, and, then, and then he would also discard her after he'd used her as a play in that, you know, story to make my life more difficult. She would then get discarded and she got roped in for many of those and maybe never recognised it herself. But, um, you know there's a lot of letting go especially if your family does turn on you um so family and friends it can be really really catastrophic and so distressing um the aftermath of this sort of thing so it's not just uh you dealing with your ex but it's you know often the case everyone around you is caught up in the mess and and some pay, play a part and some stay neutral and, and and some support you to the end. And, um, you know, it's it's not easy for, for anyone, um, this experience, but we just do our best. So I think we might wrap it up. And um, I just wanted to on that note just thank you for having the courage to share from your heart uh, all of your um, experiences and your journey and um, you share it with such strength and grace and you've you are still navigating a lot but have navigated an awful lot and I really honor that and appreciate you being here and sharing your insights and um, I know that many will take heart in your courage so thank you so much well thank you for having me I hope that whoever is listening knows that even if you don't have someone in your personal community that this podcast brings you some kind of relief because yeah that was important to me today 
in being part of this conversation it mm. can be really life-changing to know that you're not alone and what mm. you're doing for people out there who have been through something similar or going mm. through it right now it's very brave for you too thank you if this conversation has raised any concerns for you or someone you know please consider calling a support line in australia either 1800 respect or lifeline or seeing your local doctor for further guidance thank you so much for listening to the shared road my intention for this is to become a place of support community and hope through shared stories from my brave and open-hearted guests. If you'd like further information regarding personalized support and mentoring to navigate these varied complex experiences, please go to at meditationbase or meditationbase.com.au. Please share, follow and leave a review so I can continue to reach as many people in need as possible. Thank you so much.